Hi, I'm Keith, and this is my dad, Kerwin. Our guests today are Eli and Jacob, hosts of the podcast Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all Star Wars we can get our hands on is their motto. They provide insightful, intelligent, and in-depth conversations about the lore, characters, and themes presented in the space fantasy. They just released their 100th episode, a milestone worth celebrating. We were fortunate enough to join them previously to discuss Bad Bash Season 1 episode. Now, they joined us to give their views and opinion on Season 2. Eli and Jacob, welcome to Father Sun Galaxy. All right. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the intro. Hello. Thank you. No, Thank wonderful. You for the lovely Thank introduction. You. It is, it yeah. is great to be here. It is great to see you guys again. Thank you. It's great seeing you, you as well. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on celebrating your 100th episode. Thank you very much. It still doesn't feel yeah. real. It, like we recorded that a few weeks ago and I put it up and I, I remember I was uh, writing on like the title um, Star Wars in a Galaxy episode 100 and I just typed it out and then I sat there for a second. And I was like, that's weird. That's strange to type. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred episodes. That that's a lot of episodes, and that's well, we have like two hundred eighty. Right <laughs> well, now. okay, yeah, we do. Well, yeah, we 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 record um, more episodes, but yeah, but just just getting to one hundred is is a big challenge, and it's a uh, it's we, something we have quite a bit more than a hundred. But like it, it's like we do a lot of special episodes in here, like a hundred official episodes where we do our main thing. Um, like really, probably we're closer to one fifty now. But got um, it. It's, but it's it's one hundred episodes. Understood. Understood. Well, I want to talk about your journey to coming to this point. So we always like to start from the beginning. Tell us how you were introduced to Star Wars. Yeah, you want to take this one first? You want to go first? Oh, if you want me. Okay, yeah. So, um, so I was introduced to Star Wars when I was, gosh, um. I think I must have been, I think I was seven or eight years old. And the way that I was introduced to Star Wars was through, you know, the reference books, the visual dictionaries and the visual guides in my school's library. I remember I would go in, I would go in uh, at recess time um, and, and I, would, uh, I would hang out in the library and I would pour over these books. And I was, I, w- I, ju- I was just enthralled by the, the amount of, of, of detail and the, the world that that they had built up and so i slowly immersed myself and i you know i, I learned i learned the events i learned about you know, clones the empire the jedi everything that there was to learn from these books and that really captivated me for a long time before i even started watching the movies so that was actually my my introduction to star wars and then you know i i, I started watching the movies um my my dad you know been a huge Star Wars fan as well his whole life. I started watching my move, the movies with him. Um, he's very passionate about it. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, I met Eli a few years a few years into my Star Wars journey. We started we started hanging out uh, little Eli and Jacob in elementary school in the library with the books together. Um, and yeah, ever since then, we just that's a passion that we've shared. We've we've never stopped sharing and enjoying enjoying it together. And yeah, so that's that's what brought me into Star Wars. She lied. Give me a second. Sorry, I just um one of my AirPods just fell to the ground. Oh, no, no problem. Were you going to say something? No. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. When that doesn't happen. All right. So, um, yeah, my experience is actually decently similar to Jacob's. Um, 
it's weird because I often, we often have the guests on our show talk about this and like, um, we hear a lot of Gen X and uh, millennial Star Wars fans. Um, and, but obviously because we're just growing up now, I haven't heard like a lot of people, um, other than Keith, of course, uh, talk about being a Gen Z Star Wars fan. Um, and, you know, like what, when Jake and I were both born, there were five Star Wars movies out. Um, and um, yeah, I got in. So I see this, I've said this to everybody and they always laugh. They always laugh every time when I say this is how I got into Star Wars, but I was in a big player of the Angry Birds games. Um, and they released their Star Wars spinoffs. And I played them being a fan of Angry Birds. And I'm like, wow, this story has a lot of great elements to it. Like there are all these characters, all these worlds, all these plants. And then um, I, I should probably watch these movies. And then I, you know, I, I sat down and I watched the original trilogy and then the uh, prequel trilogy, um, which was, um, which were the only things out back then. Um, and I, like, basically from the death, the first battle of the Death Star on, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to invest my time into. Um, and then uh, Jacob and I started a galaxy in uh, January of 2020. Um, uh, it's, it's weird because a lot of people have started their shows during COVID. We didn't, but our show very much became what it was during COVID. Yeah. COVID hit about two months into our show. And then basically, it, it, I, I can't speak for Jacob here, but it got me through the weeks. It got me like, like, I, like through those long weeks of quarantine, I'm like, oh, like I'm in a galaxy recording this weekend. We're talking about uh, this Clone Wars arc. We've, uh, we did like about a year and a half of just the Clone Wars, which was definitely an adventure. I can't believe we, not only can I not believe we did that, I can't believe we actually finished it and saw it through. Um, it wasn't that long ago that we finished that. Yeah, that was a, it was a big part of our, I think the Clone Wars really made our, made our podcast what it is. That's when we, I feel like that's when we really found our, our rhythm and, and, you know, figured out, you know, who we are and what we represent as a show adding to adding to a conversation um yeah i'll just say this i just thought of it this way when we um started the clone wars we had we just had our first ever guest episode on in a galaxy ever when we were ending one of our final clone wars episodes we had alex and molly damon from star wars explained on <laughs> that in one show um and that's like that that says everything to me so what do you love the most about star wars oh man that is a great that is a great question that's a that's a difficult question to answer for me um as i'm sure it is for many because there's so many things there's so many reasons that i that i love star wars and there's so many reasons that i've been so passionate about it and it's been a big part of my life um for almost as long as i can remember but I think at, at this point, the number one, the number one thing is that it's the community and the people around Star Wars, you know, um, and, 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 you know, I think I really saw that when we started doing our podcast, especially, and then going to Star Wars Celebration last year, those two things, I think, really made me, made me realize how profound of an impact Star Wars can have and, you know, 
bringing people together, helping people, helping people find communities, helping people make their voices heard. And I've, I've felt that, you know, um, and I, I think the, it's, it's amazing how much passion and creativity and, and, and love and positivity there can be found in the Star Wars community in all these different ways. And so for me, I think it's, it's, it's the people who, who enjoy it and who it's really everything that surrounds Star Wars that makes Star Wars what it is as much as the actual shows, movies and books and video games and what have you, as much as the actual content makes it what it is. It's this entire ecosystem and community that's been created that, that I get to be a part of and that I get to enjoy that really keeps bringing me back. Before I answer, I'm going to just pretend I said all of that because that was fantastic. Um, uh, no, for me, uh, I think um, one thing I always come back to is Star Wars as a storytelling device. You know, there are things that make a Star Wars story, but really Star Wars for me is about infinite possibilities. It's about like, you know, as long as you keep within this, the themes and the heart of Star Wars, you can really do anything you want. There are so many different kinds of stories. Just even in the past year that have been told with the Bad Bad Season 2, the Mandalorian Season 3, or Andor, or Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Jedi Survivor that's coming out in a month, or what have you, there have been so many different and unique and yet so individually Star Wars stories that have come out. And I love going from all of those to, like, going from one to another and they're so different, but they still hold that common thread. They're in this universe. They follow the same general guidelines. They 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 communicate these shared ideas, and um, I think that's really special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I'm in agreement with both of you. It is a community. Um, Star Wars is multi generational, which is what I love. Um, and I never set out to actually pass it down to to my children. It wasn't something, no, it wasn't something that was mandatory to me. But it would have been nice um, if if my my sons enjoyed watching Star Wars, but it wasn't uh, something that I set out to do. It wasn't a requirement. But yes, I do like how you can. Um, it, you you don't age out of Star Wars. I mean, you still love what you love. You love the memories of seeing it for the first time. You love that it's around now to share it with other generations, if it's your children or other family members, um, it's other other people in the community. It's still something that can bring people together and talk about it and discuss it. Um, I like the real world aspect of Star Wars that we're getting now, where we're seeing things or things happening to characters that feels real to us, which is why I think Star Wars is so personal for 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 us. Um, and, and you know, and, and it's fantastic. You know, it's um, it, it it does feel real, uh, and that's why I want to. You know, I'm, I'm so happy to have you guys here to talk about the Bad Batch because I know you're such a fans, of, you're such fans of the show. Um, and thank you for having us on back in October talking about some of the episodes of episode, some of the episodes of season one. But now let's talk about season two. Uh, so now that the season has ended. What are your thoughts? Um, we can start with you, Jacob. What are your thoughts about season two? Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. My thoughts about season two. You know, I think season two, season one, I think 
it took me a while to come around to it. The first time that I watched it, I wasn't as as big of a fan of it. I wasn't, you know, really, I wasn't really connecting with some of the the themes and the the storylines and and what they were putting forth with these characters. And it took me a while, you know, with the rewatch that we did that that you guys, um, well, we got to have you be a part of as well. Um, that really kind of changed my perspective. And I think season two for me. I, I was immediately, I was immediately drawn in. Um, looking back over, you know, some of these episodes, you know, the solitary clone, um, the clone conspiracy, truth and consequences. I think, I think it really, as as good as season one was, season two really ratcheted up. Not only I think how exciting some of these episodes could be, you know, bringing in, bringing in different ideas, bringing in different characters, you know, going back over some of that order 66 stuff. That's so tense and exciting, but I think, um, especially, I mean, with these past two episodes, especially with the finale and also with, you know, echo leaving and Omega dealing with that. I think they really get even more raw and, raw and um and 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 gritty and real with you know how they're how they're how they're going about with this show showing omega's growth showing omega's relationship with the crew showing everybody you know grappling with um with the reality of you know having a child on board with a bunch of outlaws who are on the run from the empire you know so i really i really appreciated what they did this season and i thought it was it had its ups and downs, but it was thrilling start to finish, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. yeah. Eli, what are your thoughts? So, so I was going into this uh, season. I remember, um, uh, you know, because I knew it was premiering at the same time as the, um, or at least the end was premiering at the same time as the beginning of the Mandalorian season three, which I also love. Um, but I remember just thinking I felt so bad for the Bad Batch just because I knew that it, to a certain extent, would get overshadowed by the Mandalorian releasing on the same days because of the live action factor. Um, so that gave the Bad Batch season two, even before the Mandalorian started coming out, kind of an underdog quality for me. I was rooting for it. I was, I was like, um, because animated Star Wars with a lot all the live action does tend to get swept under the rug a little bit these days, which I think is really sad. But um, I, I was I was really rooting for the Bad Batch season two, um, and I enjoyed very much the first two episodes that two part premiere uh, spoils and ruins of war. Um, but then I remember specifically when the solitary clone came out, when the third episode came out, I just sat there after and I said to myself, "Oh, so this is going to be this kind of season," and. This season, and uh, and as with Jacob, I think I think I might have liked it a little bit more than he did uh, before our rewatch. But season one was quite a bit of a redemption arc with me. I the rewatch made me appreciate it so much more. But this season just took everything. It it was it was the same show, but it added more variety, more interesting twists of characters. I think just overall better writing. Uh, not that the writing was bad last season or anything. It was just I. There are so many episodes that are just all-time classics of Star Wars animation to me this season, not just like of the show, but of animation. And I'd even go to, to of television in general. Um, and like it, the end of this season 
uh, especially the last five or six episode run, is just like, I want to know what was going through these writers' heads when they were writing this stuff. But like, it 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 works so well all in conjunction with each other, episode after episode after episode. It was just such a great run. What's your favorite episode or moment in season two? Oh boy, that there are so many. There's so many to choose from. Wow. Um, I think though, I would have to go with Plan Plan Ninety Nine. I think as my favorite episode. Um, you know, I mean, as as um, as difficult as it was, I think what made it what made it special was I really I really wasn't expecting them to go there and, and, and kill off a character and, yeah. and have tech die in that way um, with the tone that the show had set, you know, they, they were kicking it up a notch in terms of, you know, it was darker, grittier, more intense the second season, but I really wasn't expecting them to go there. Um, but it, it really was an amazing punch um, for that finale. And I, yeah, I thought they did a fantastic job with it. I think um, they they really did a great job, you know, showing Omega and the Batch coping with that, and then seeing Sid, and and in that episode, them having the realization with Sid when Sid sells them out, yeah. um, that you know Sid maybe isn't everything that they hoped that she was, because I think, you know, as viewers, we had the sense for a while that Sid Sid was kind of exploiting them because they were in this bad bad situation and 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 she couldn't really be be trusted um and it was kind of unclear i think for for a bit what direction the show was going to take sid in um but i think this was a moment where it's not like the bad batch were completely naive or oblivious to the fact that sid was you know using them for mostly for her own gain but this was really it was it was interesting to see that moment when all the characters' understandings snap. They instantly catch up 100% with where we are as viewers. So that that's absolutely, by far, I think, my favorite episode. But there, I mean, that's not to say that the other episodes weren't good. That episode was just sure. It was a tremendous yeah. finale. Yeah. And then Eli, what about you? Do you have a favorite episode, favorite moment of the season? I think my favorite episode. Again, there are like six or seven that are tied like up there for me but i think probably when push comes to shove truth and consequences for me would be my favorite episode of the season um i remember just i, I remember you know that whole uh, arc starting with the clone conspiracy the episode before that was so moving and interesting and 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 i remember jacob uh saying telling me that he thought it felt quite a bit like the clone wars and I agree with that. With this like unraveling conspiracy, as Jacob likes to say on our show, peeling back the layers um, of this uh, of what's happening in this intrigue. And Clone X was just so frightening in in, uh, in the Clone Conspiracy. But I, then I remember going to Truth and Consequences, and it seemed like Chuchi and uh, Chuchi and um, all the other clones, uh, the Batch, obviously Echo, uh, Rex. It's, um, it seemed like, and with Vale, of course, it seemed like they were actually going to accomplish something in the Senate. And I was shocked by that because I didn't think that any they could accomplish anything. And then Palpatine 
comes up from uh, on his uh, podium in the middle and not only completely dismantles any hope they have of uh, of uh, unmasking what the Empire's truly doing, but makes it look easy. He makes it look effortless. And that, I, I like the portrayal of Palpatine and the way they got Ian McDermott to say those lines, which by the way, they got Ian, Ian McDermott to return for the Bad Batch. That's really great. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, the, the way they the way they got him to say those lines and the way they wrote those lines was just so like it seemed exactly perfect for what Palpatine wouldn't do in that situation. Uh, again, I'll give it up to the Bad Batch. They were playing about three D chess, but uh, hmm. Palpatine, as always, is playing ten D chess. So yeah. um, uh, he was just several steps ahead of them at every single turn. You know what I like about this um, the season is how they planned out the episodes, the release of the episodes, because they're very smart in releasing the first two episodes together. And then you had uh, seven and eight, which was Truth and Consequences, uh, the Clone Conspiracy and the Truth and, Truth and Consequences being released together. That had to be a two-part episode. And then the final two episodes being released together. So I think the way it was laid out, they really planned ahead and they understood, okay, well, you can't tell this story without telling that one at the same time. There has to be uh, uh, cohesiveness. Um, so I, I really enjoy that point. Um, as far as my favorite uh, episode, it would be, it, it is hard to choose, but it would have to be Tipping Point. Um, that turn that, that uh, uh, Crosshair, I'm sorry, that's the outpost. That's the turn where uh, Crosshair uh, makes that turn and realize that the 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 empire is not for the clones, and he makes that decision to take out his lieutenant, and then you know we know what happens after that. He gets captured, but uh, I find that the the my favorite episodes included Crosshair. I you know it must be coincidental, but I, I'm starting to um, enjoy more Crosshair. You know he's not my favorite clone, uh, or the, the Bad Batch. You know that's still Hunter, but I, I think he's a second. Close to a uh, second, coming in second of my favorite clones. Because did you I forget think just, Wrecker existed? Well, no, I have Wrecker. I did not forget Wrecker. I know Wrecker is one of your favorites. That's that's cool. But, you know, Crosshair to me, he just has such a story arc that is really taking place. And I was just curious as to why he felt that he had to, um, you know, follow the Empire. You know, you know, good soldiers follow orders. I understand that. But could he not see what was happening around him? And then when he finally opens his eyes and, and and now realizes what's going on, he takes action. So yeah, he had to wake up to reality. Yeah. So I would say yes, the outpost uh would be my favorite episode. I don't know if you have any favorite episode or moment you want to share. Honestly, I, I gotta I gotta go with truth and consequences. Yeah. Know? That one was like one of the best moments in Star Wars because Palpatine knew everything that was going to happen. He calculated yeah. exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly how to get Rampart out of the picture yeah. and keep him looking like he's a benevolent ruler, like he actually cares about the galaxy. And more importantly, he single-handedly saved himself, covered <laughs> the Empire's plans, and destroyed hope for the rebellion, and then and then just like walked off and had his nice cup of tea as he went back to his ruling chair. <laughs> and made it look easy. And he made it look yeah, easy. He yeah. He is one. Right. He is. No he is, joke. He is one sneaky son of a gun. I think <laughs> watching that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is just classic, classic Palpatine. I, I don't remember which episode 
it is in the Clone Wars. But I remember thinking, oh man, he pulled this exact same move in the Clone Wars. Like, oh, the heroes, they're trying to stop some bill to, from being voted on that's going to like increase military spending. And then they get the evidence that they need and they present it. But then at the last minute, Palpatine still flips everything around and uses that to, to still prove his point in the end. And they still, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, oh my gosh. How did this even, how did this even happen? But Kerwin, I want to agree with you for a second. I think for me, that's also something that jumped out about the season was Crosshair. I think what they, what the show did with Crosshair as a character, he is so, I found myself, you know, really, really empathizing with him and rooting for him so much in this season, which really surprised me given, you know, what he's done, given who he is. But I think I, I, I'm really, really excited to see where they go, how they, you know, unravel his character a little bit more because I think he was one of the, the standout characters from this season in particular. Yeah. Yeah. So what I want to do is spend uh, um, the, the next few months talking about the final two episodes. And, um, and the reason why I want to talk about it first, because it just dropped and everyone is talking about it. Um, but, you know, it's a conversation that Keith and I had off screen about Star Wars and who Star Wars is for the audience. Um, you know, it turned into a heated argument pretty fast. Well, not really heated, but no, it's just, uh, you know, we you know had a discussion as to the target audience for Star Wars because, you know, Star Wars, it. it Star, George, Wars can, Star Wars does not exactly stay on target. Yeah. They are. They got different strokes for different folks. Yeah. You know what? George Lucas started off, you know, with Star Wars is supposed to be about children. You know, it's for children. Family um, friendly. Family friendly. Yeah. And not to say that, that Star Wars is no longer family friendly, but, you know, <coughs> you have to, you have <coughs> to know. Okay. We have to know some things uh, that are fit for, you know, children, Keith's age, um, and ones that are not fit for them. And uh, so what I find that this, you know, we are big fans of the Bad Batch. Keith and I are big fans and we love the characters and we become so attached to them that it's difficult to, to, to realize. Um, I think we're still trying to uh, process the fact that we lost one of our family members, you know, um, because like I said, we've been watching these characters from day one Ooh, when, they were, when they were first introduced in the Clone Wars, uh, that, that episode, the Bad Batch was first introduced and to lose, uh, you know, you know. Of course, there are comp uh, conspiracy theories out there that people say that well, Tech is still alive. I don't know, um, but sometimes, you know, life. What we have to understand is, you know, death is a part of life, right? And as I said before, Star Wars is 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 wants to be grounded in reality, which I love that. You know, because we can't make it all fantasy like, oh, everybody's going to live a happy ending. Oh, the good guys are going to always win. That's yeah. not how it works I in mean, Star like, Wars. Yeah. But the whole point of, you know, watching movies is usually to be happy. I hear what you're saying. Right. And that's that's I, I that's what we're going for. Four o'clock a.m. Yeah. on yeah. Wednesday so I can watch The Bad Batch yeah. and The Mandalorian. I should have woken up at five and just watched The Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, that's what we're, I, actually, we're that's going on with us. Yeah. yeah. It's like this internal struggle. I, I, like, okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Eli. What are, what are your thoughts yeah, about that? Uh, I, I, I was going to say that I, um, just specifically for the finale, not knowing that it was going to be that dark, I decided to, um, 
because usually my uh, my mind goes to like okay live action first. Uh, it's not even like I don't even think about it. Um, but I'm like okay, I w- I'm going to have the strength, the will for the finale because I feel like it needs it deserves the respect to watch Bad Batch first. Um, and then I did that. I'm like, I just sat back and I'm like, that was real. Whoa, that was really depressing. And then uh, and then I'm like, okay, the Mandalorian's got to be better. Uh, at least more lighthearted and, and uh, have your notes. Yeah. It was. It was. Thank goodness. It was. I would have just given um, up after that if it was Yeah, bad. no, absolutely. I, I think that there's something interesting. I was talking with, um, I forget who I was talking with this um, about the other day. And I think, and I'm not sure where they said this, um, but I feel like Jennifer Corbett um, and a lot of the people who are who made this show were talking about this show in, in a weird thing because, you know, Star Wars is, to your point, usually made for the kids of that era. The sequel trilogy was made for the kids of that of, of when it was coming out. The, so was the prequel trilogy, so was the original trilogy, so was the Clone Wars, so was Rebels, blah, blah, blah. But Bad Batch, as a spinoff to the Clone Wars, um, I heard once that they were thinking about it as making it for Clone Wars kids, which... Uh-huh. Clone Wars kids aren't kids anymore. They're, they're adults. Right. They're 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 teenagers and they're adults. Um yeah. so um and I don't and, and that's not to say that I don't think kids can watch um the, the Bad Batch. Um I think they can, I think they can absolutely enjoy it. Um but mm-hmm. I think that the target audience, like we have that darker feel, you know, the Bad Batch, I think season one is probably darker in tone than Whee! the first three or four seasons of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not saying that makes it better or worse. I'm just saying, like, you know, I think that that, that changes the dynamic quite a bit. Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, anything you want to add, Jacob, about uh, oh episode gosh. 15 or 16? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, wow. Um, I think what you said, what you said a, a few minutes ago, Kerwin, really resonated with me. But I think we, I could, I could talk all day about um you know escapism versus reality in star wars and you know attachment to characters and 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 characters dying um and i don't really have a a a set strong opinion going one way um or or the other um but it is definitely something that i've thought about a lot um and i think I think one something that Eli and I say a lot, you know, we, we, we are also of the different strokes for different folks mind of, of Star Wars, as you said, Keith, um, where, you know, if we don't like something, something as much, we say, okay, that's fine. That wasn't for me. There's something else. Eli said, you know what? Um, Andor wasn't for me. I said, you know what? Uh, Boba Fett wasn't my favorite. Wasn't for me, but that's okay because there's other things too. Um, I think that they can coexist. Um, and I think that the trick of Star Wars, one of the challenges, especially given as we were talking about earlier, it's multi-generational, yeah. is how do you create a story where it's, it's, in, it's, it's accessible and it's accessible and it's appropriate for the younger fans. And it's also Mm -hmm. interesting and not overly saccharine for 
the older fans. And I think there's a whole, you know, we have the whole spectrum, you know, we have resistance and we have Andor. And, you know, it's easy to dismiss resistance, but if you really look at it, you know, it it talks about some pretty heavy stuff. It has a lot of interesting things to say, political indoctrination, propaganda, authoritarianism. It's an an interesting show. I'm not sure resistance is the best um, (laughs) allegory because it is very, like, resistance and and more, I feel like, have way, way more in common than people can compare for. Yeah, I think think you're right. Um, But I think it's always difficult. There's no way around it, you know, when you get really attached to a character. I remember when Ahsoka died or fake died in the season two finale of of, um, of, um, of Rebels. I was, I was so, I was, I think, oh gosh, I must have been 12 or 13 at the time. I was just distraught. I was like, what the, what the heck? What is this? I was, and, and when Kanan died too, even I was still like, yeah, mm, wow. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think yeah, that's a big one. I think it's interesting that every, I don't know. I think, I think there needs to be a balance because yeah. I think that there is this perception among many people that killing off characters, having something be super dark, super gritty, super intense, super hard to swallow, all those things is kind of conflated with good storytelling where that's seen as, oh, if it has these things, it must be a, a, a good story. It must be, must be, you know, a lot. It must give you a lot to think about. Um, and I, the more that I've thought about this, the more I've come to, and we just watch droids, which is incredibly lighthearted. It still has some, it still has a lot of things to say, but it, it's incredibly lighthearted. You've got, you know, our favorite scene of R2-D2 and C-3PO taking a bath together with their floaty bath toys and C-3PO <laughs> complaining that R2-D2 is you know, hogging all the bath toys. And it's a, it's yeah. really a, um, so I think my point is, what it, I think there needs to be a balance and there yeah. needs to be, I don't know. I think, I think there is a value to, you know, having shows and having, having moments that feel safer. I think that's something that I've really come to appreciate. But on the other hand, having moments that feel, you know, a little more challenging, that that are a little more difficult to process, Mm -hmm. they make make both of those things better. Yeah. So I just think that there needs there needs to be both because at the end of the day like we said star wars needs to have something for everyone yeah yeah i i I think you know if you want to say something no okay um what star wars does very well is like you said that was a good point uh that you have jacob about the balance um you know they have shows that are geared for for children they have shows that are geared for adults they have shows that are in the middle for both um, so this is a, no fault of their own, um, but it, it, it makes for a, com- a difficult conversation to have, you know, if you're watching something, you know, like the Clone Wars and, you know, it's not something that's out of the ordinary for, for the Bad Batch to have a character that we love, uh, pass on, but that really is out of the ordinary for the Bad Batch. Well, well, I'm thinking about the, the tone because the tone still feels to me the same as it was in the Clone Wars. This could have easily have been a Clone Wars episode 
where you may have a beloved character, you know, passed, um, and you would still feel that impact, you know, that that sadness that's going on. Yeah. So it's not like it was surprising that you know you you know there was some type of expectation. I don't know if you felt it, you know, either uh, you know you Eli or Jacob felt that something bad was going to happen, like you know the title. Plan ninety nine just seemed to me like Final, something, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's some yeah sense of finality to that title. So, you know, and maybe that's well, we now know that was the point because uh, you know because of what happened. Um, maybe that was the, the reason why these titles were provided to us way ahead of of the premiere of of season two. You know, they, that's not something that you know Star Wars we usually do is give us the titles of every single episode before it airs. So when I saw mm. Plan 99, I just felt, okay, something is going to happen. Um, but again, it, it does make for a difficult conversation. You know, like I said, Keith and I both love the bad back. But when this happens, um, you know, it, you know, for, for, for a parent uh, who has a child, you know, you're watching something and it, you know, the child is not prepared to see what happens. You have to have a conversation with them because you know you, you know I don't know if you could tell by Keith's uh, expressions, um, but he's you know he's still trying to grasp the idea of losing tech, um, um, and you know it's just uh, and it's okay it's absolutely okay you know I'm sad as well I still can't believe you know that we took the entire season learning more about tech, and you know seeing him grow. Like, um, like, like, come person. on! Yeah. He just started to grow a home. Absolutely, let's talk about that. His, and his Thee, like, come on, him and Thee were just going to be perfect together. Correct, correct. Like, he didn't even get to take. I it almost life. feel like that was kind he of the point. Five hundred feet from a sky car. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, Eli. So, you know, we we just spent so much time learning more about tech, and seeing him become this leader when he ran the pod race to to win the race so you know Sid can get her money. Um, the time when in the first two episodes of, of the season where he's listening to the gentleman from Serrano talking about his culture, you know, what was missed and what he lost. And you know, tech never interrupted him. He just listened. Uh, the time when he and Omega had that personal conversation about um, his feelings of Echo leaving the group. Yeah, right and, after and, Echo left. Right. And Tech saying, you know, I process things differently, but it doesn't mean that I don't um, love Echo as much as you do. Or, 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 or having the loss of Echo on the team doesn't impact me as much as it impacts you. So, and then, like he said, the relationship with Fee is so tragic, you know, in, in episode 15 when... He is trying to say goodbye to Tech, and Tech is not really picking up on her signals, um, but she's trying to say to him, be careful, you know, I want you to be back safe. But Tech was so, you know, he's he's so one-sided. He's looking at his data pad. He's thinking about the next mission, and he completely That was missed. my first hint. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know. Like, I, so, I, I, I started getting yeah. suspicious when, when they, they started, like, she was like, exactly. I'm like, I don't think they would, but this doesn't look good for tech. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So they, they were preparing us. And I really thought that I, you know, I was actually thinking that tech would come back, back to Pabu, start up a relationship with Fee, and then at some point, and then live heavily, happily ever after. That's what I was looking for for, for tech. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think you were looking for the same thing. Like, where did this come from? Yeah, it's so a surprise. It's a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I had a completely different expectation for yeah. that. Um, I'll just I'll just say this. This was what my expectation for the last two episodes. I did think there was going to be death, but I did not think any of the bats were going to die. I thought what was going to happen was they were going to make it to Tantus. They were going to basically rescue Crosshair, having a like emotional confrontation with Crosshair, get him back on the team. Um, but then they'd be pinned down on Tantus by someone or something. Maybe you'll learn a new revelation about what's actually happening on Tantus. And then I thought that Rex's clone network would save them. But I thought that I, I thought the kicker for the season was going to be that the clone network was going to get massacred. I thought like a good over ninety percent of them were going to die in that in, in, in saving them. It was going to be a worthy sacrifice because you know they're they're, they're finally fighting for a cause they chose to. But yeah. it would it would but it would explain a lot of things like why Rex is only with two other clones in Rebels and why he doesn't think a fight against the Empire in Rebels can work. Um, but when it was made pretty clear that they were going to even make it to Tantus, I didn't really know what to think. Um, and, uh, they made one death, credit to the writers, they made one death in the show to be, have equal to, or possibly even more impact than the mass deaths I was predicting in the season. Oh, wow. Wow. I got you. I got you. And then, you know, what I want to do is continue on and talk about uh, episode 16. And then um, it, it the, the episode to me took an unexpected turn. I want to talk about this. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, Keith and I have been asking ourselves this question and we have no answer as to why it happened. But so makes you, absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> well, do you know the question? You want to ask yes. the question? Yes. Why the did question. the Bad Batch, in any shape or form, in the entire Outer Rim, go back to Ord Mantell? Yes. That Literally, is my why? Why? Why did they go to back the to the very Ord? person yeah. they have been avoiding for the last four episodes? They decided, well, let's go right back then. Yes. They just came from Pabu. So why and did they decide? To add, to yeah. add insult to injury, mm -hmm. Hunter's like, well, we're thinking of going back to Pabu and starting a life. And then to squeeze salt and lemon into that wound, Sid calls the cops and has the Empire take in Hunter and Wrecker. And then somehow, Hemlock manages to parade them down the streets to go find Omega, who then gets shipped off to Tantus and finds out that there's yet another Omega clone who is apparently yeah. her sister right. that we never knew about. Well, we're gonna get Crosshair is still on Tantus. <laughs> Half the batch is split up. I don't know what Echo was doing right. this entire the end time. I'm not even gonna bother watching season three at this rate. Okay, so the question on the table, the question on the table is, why did the batch go back to Ormentel? I honestly, don't know. I can only assume. I can only assume. You know, they're they're reeling from this loss. You know, they. I I, I mean, me personally, I was not. I was completely caught off guard by. Um, by crosshairs, by or not by um, by text death. I think, you know, a few minutes in to that scene, I, I the writing was on the wall. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is happening. But I was really shocked. But I think, um, you know, I think they were just, you know, they're at their lowest in this moment 
you know, without tech, they're at their most vulnerable. Um, and they just need somewhere familiar to go, um, somewhere where they can, they can collect themselves. Why that wasn't Pabu, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure given, you know, Fee is there and it's, it's, I don't really know. I don't really know why I have a, I have an inkling, you know, um, maybe, maybe the, the emotional, the emotional reasons. Um, but I, I, it's really not clear to me why they, why they chose that path. Eli, do you have any thoughts why they chose to go back to Ormantel? Yeah, I think it, it's 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 very complicated, and I think that I was confused as well, and I was I was also just confused generally, as I, I know a lot of people I talked with about this season when it was going on, about why the Bat were still choosing to trust Sid over and over again when uh, it's been proven several times that she does not always have their best interests prioritized. Um, just what's going to put her on top. Um, but I think it honestly comes down to comfort. I think it, like, you know, you're comfortable with the things you know, and the Batch in this era doesn't know anything. And all their entire lives, their entire, like, their entire purposes have been flipped upside down. Their entire home got destroyed in at the end of the first season. Um, and as lovely as Pabu is, and as much as they... As I think they 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 if they ever go back there they will enjoy it and they they have enjoyed themselves. They were on Pabu for the equivalent of like two episodes. Yeah. Um. And they they were they've been on Ord Mantel for basically an entire season. Um. And Ord Mantel with Sid might not be the best lifestyle that they want to lead. But it was the one they had spent the most time with. And nothing bad had happened to them yet. Like, nothing openly mm. bad had happened to them yet. And Sid was keeping them safe. So why wouldn't they... Like, so why would she ever turn back on them? She's changed, um, as Malegi tells uh, them... Or, or as Sid tells Malegi in Faster, uh, she's changed. And so why shouldn't they give her a second chance? And... Mm they obviously find out the consequences of that decision very quickly. Um, but I, th I think it was just like, it, it wasn't really, yeah, I think it was, they were just panicking. I think they were just panicking and I think it was a yeah difficult choice to make. Yeah. But you remember, they were avoiding Sid. True. For days. Yes, for a few days. Because they yeah. didn't want to go back to her, right? Because Sid would yeah. constantly send them on missions that put them in danger. When There's she, also when a, she sent them out to that mines area and they got caved in, she was about to let them rot there. And yet, for some yeah. reason, they decided to go back to that exact planet yeah. when they could have gone back to Pabu, which I'm quite sure has great medical care. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people got injured during that quake. They have to have some good medical care there. They could There's have also just gone and, and I don't know galactic geography very well, and I don't know if we even know this, but I'm also wondering if Org Mantel was closer to Iriadu than um, Good point. We don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And then what you're also, uh, you're saying, Eli and, and Jacob, what you were both saying about comfortability, um, something about Org Mantel speaks to them as their home, because you're right. They did spend 
much more time there than he did with Pabu. Um, Pabu, although did seem to me to be a place where they could call home, right? And you know this because, you know, when uh, Hunter had that conversation with, with Omega when she came to and said, would you like to, you know, like make a home at Pabu? You know, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's still to me, I don't know. I, you know, it, it may have been a, a, a come down to location. You're right. It could be that Ormantel was much closer, which is why, you know, if you're, you know, you're in, in need of 911, you have an emergency, you want to get to the nearest uh, medical facility as possible. Yes, but if you went to a medical facility last time and you almost died about four or five times at that medical facility, I don't see why I'd want to go back. Well, well, if, as far as medical facility, I'm referring to AZ, you know, so AZ, yeah, you know, I'm saying like, uh, the analogy is they have almost died working for Santa yeah. or Mantel multiple times. Mm -hmm. So I still don't see why they would go I would, there. I would say yeah. they, they haven't died working for Sid on Ord Mantel. They've always almost died on other planets. Like they've never really been in danger on Ord Mantel itself. Mm -hmm. But still Maybe though, the Rancor. Sid's been doing a lot of shady things, like especially when she taught Omega to start gambling for her. So she could win oh, yeah, more money to pay off her tab. Like, that was criminal. And more than once, she set these people off to do her bidding when yeah. people tried to take over her cantina. Remember Roland Duran from last season and how they had to stop him? I can't and forget then about him. Because uh -huh. they couldn't pay him. Like, she's had them do multiple things for her, and they have been caught in life or death situations. That pod race was harrowing. Yeah. And they've been oh, caught in a yeah. lot of life situations with Sid before. So I just don't see why they would ever want to go back. Yeah. 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 I think the thing that I'm that I'm seeing, the way I saw it is Sid, it's it's we have to realize that Sid, um, you know, especially in season two, when we really look at it, she is she's a really abusive presence in the lives of the Bad Batch. You know, she she shamelessly manipulates them. She um, she straight up gaslights them whenever they they confront her in terms of the the danger that she puts them in or in the ways that she tries to exploit them and and reap the benefits the money of them putting themselves in harm's way and then she 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 guilts them into uh, helping her out whenever whenever she is whenever she gets herself into trouble and they're you know cleaning up her messes um, and she she has them trapped there. You know, and then she she threatens them when they when they try to leave. And I think it makes sense that, you know, knowing knowing how humans are, you know, from personal experience, even, you know, you 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 go back into situations um, that are not good for you or to people wow. who aren't positive presences in your life. You tend to yeah. do that yeah. when you're in a very vulnerable state a very wow emotionally distraught state yeah. um and that was something that really really kind of stuck out to me and i was hoping that there would be more of a um a moment of of catharsis or or confrontation when they really say you know sid you're not you're not treating us right you don't value us like you say you do and this is not right but maybe that's coming i don't know but i yeah. think that 
with that in mind, it makes sense why the story might choose to show them going back to Sid because they're in such a vulnerable spot. And that's when people tend to do things like that. Got it. Got it. Very, very well said. Um, all right. So if um, we want to move on, does anything else we want to talk about with Sid? No. Okay. All right. Um, if we can move on to that final reveal at the end of a, uh, oh. <laughs> that's a, another topic of conversation uh, uh, at the end of episode 16. Uh, so we know that Omega gets captured and she's taken back to Tantus and she meets with Emery and Emery, you know, knows who she is. Omega has no clue who Emery is. And then Emery makes this reveal. She takes off her, her goggles and she makes this reveal that she, Emery and Omega are sisters. Did any one of you see this coming? Absolutely not. No, no way. Definitely did not see this coming. Absolutely not. So the fact that Omega is a clone and there's a clone of Omega makes no sense to me, especially because of the age ranging thing. Like, how are they sisters hmm. if Omega and Emery age differently? Like, Omega ages like Boba Fett. Which is to say, she looks her age, mm -hmm. but Emery ages the same as a bad batch, meaning she looks like she's in her 30s when she's like 12, 13. Yeah, it is. Because of the rapid aging. Yes, it seems to me that, <laughs> that Nala Say is keeping secrets. Way uh, too many. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's covering something. Oh, up. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know. The other thing is that, that uh, I, I I forgot about, honestly, until like a few seconds ago, and I just remember this. Um, the unaltered aging was not, like, the aging was not the only modification they made to the clones, the clone troopers in general. Um, they, uh, they, they told, they said um, when Lama Su was talking to Obi-Wan and clones, uh, he was saying that they made, um, the clones, I believe it was like more docile and more like more capable or more willing to follow orders like without question. Mm. Um, which also obviously foreshadows order 66 a little bit, but there's also the inhibitor ship with that. But um I think that it's very possible that Emery ha doesn't have any of the modifications except for the aging part. Um, which makes her less altered than everybody else, but not also not completely unaltered. Um, but yeah, I, it's, I feel like it's too early for me to say like definitively, oh, I think this is what's happening with Emery or oh, I think that's what's happening with Emery. But I just, this is my favorite thing because I've, I've wanted to see this ever since we learned who Omega is. And now this just gives me at least double the chance of it happening is I want... This, this has been a desire of mine for a while. Um, season two of the Book of Boba Fett. In season two of the Book of Boba Fett, which should happen, um, I think the the season should start with a young woman. Like I, I had this pitch for a while, a young woman walking up to Boba's palace, um, and introducing herself to Boba and saying, "Hi, Boba. I'm your sister. My name is Omega." And be, having the second season of the Book of Boba Fett be about the siblings meeting and 
how drastically different paths they took in life. But they're both the legacy of Django, and but and they're both they both have purposes far beyond and far removed from what they ever thought they might be. Um, but I think that it could also be interesting to see um, that with Emery, it, either instead of Omega, Omega, or with Omega. Either way, frankly, it just gives me double the chance of seeing that. Um, and I think that'd be really interesting. Wow, so does that mean Omega is technically Omega Fett now? <laughs> Possibly, I guess. Probably. And yeah. also, you know, yeah. have a chain code. Yeah, remember, yeah. remember in the first season when Tech was like, Omega's pure, unaltered DNA of Jango Fett? Something had to happen. Because yeah. Jango Fett is this one man who had his DNA used to make a bunch of clothes. So something doesn't match up here. True. Like the DNA had to have been altered okay. for Omega to, you know, be a girl because yeah. they use DNA from the opposite gender. So like how did this how did this happen? That's a good question. We That's don't my know. question. Yeah, I don't know the answer. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine if we never figure it out. It'll just be like one of those age old mysteries of Star Wars. Hmm. I, I think they questions, will questions, questions. Yeah. I think they will answer that question. I think they have to, you know, it has to, you know makes sense to us but you know they don't have to of course obviously but it would be nice if they could tell us so jacob do you have anything to add regarding uh emery and omega as sisters no i don't i don't really know what to make of it so far but i'm i'm excited it was a, a big shock very unexpected um but i love the i love the cloning storyline i love how you know spooky it is and palpatine's involvement i absolutely loved what nala say said um what you know? What palpit? What your emperor seeks is impossible, and Hemlock mm -hmm. says, "Make it possible." And that one line, kind of, I mean, that's Palpatine's whole mo. You know, we kind of we, we have an inkling of what he's after. You know, force force cloning and and, and things of that nature. And I yes. think it's really cool how that story is kind of in real life being hinted at and chipped away at simultaneously in the Mandalorian and in the Bad Batch. Um, so I'm a I'm a big fan of this storyline. I I hope they keep. I hope they keep plugging away at it. Um, I, I don't think we're going to get a full reveal of anything anytime soon because they. This is one that they're seems like they really love to drag this one out. Um, so yeah. we'll we'll see. But I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah. So we know uh, there's going to be a Bad Batch panel at Celebration next weekend. Maybe yeah, they'll announce yeah. there. They'll confirm if there will be a season three. We just assume that there will be because this left us season two left us with a cliffhanger. Um, but we'll find out. You know, maybe by next weekend we'll know whether there will be a season three. Um, but apparently, there's more stories to tell. I mean, I'm 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 still waiting for that 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 clone uprising. You know, I'm still thinking that there is going to be this battle between the clones and the Empire. You know, this once and for all battle uh, that's going to take place. And I guess that will be the finale, you know, where if they decide to end it at season three. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I see that happening. And then one other thing I, I want to say that although um, we've lost tech, you know, the, the, the story goes is when one door closes, another door opens. And Emery seems to me to be at just as smart and as intelligent. Um, she's a scientist. 
Aztec. So I can see her clearly being an ally. If they replace Tech, I'm going to throw my iPad across the room. Well, we're not talking about replacing him, you know, because he can never be replaced. I'm just talking about another ally that the Bash can use to fight against Hemlock and, you know, his team of uh, mad scientists. Yeah. So I think I, I think Kerwin brings up a very important point, and I've seen people talking about this a little bit. Uh, could Emery be an ally to the Bad Batch crew? Absolutely, she could. Is she going to be a replacement for Tech? One hundred percent, no. Yeah. Uh, tech, like, 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 I don't, I like, you know, yes, they were based off the A team and these like stereotypical roles, but part of the Batch's story is showing how they're not just the strong one, the smart one, the precise one. Uh, so, like, um, yeah, I, I, I think he makes a very good point there. Yeah, um, all, all the all their different um, all all their different archetypes. Um, but I think for me, I I'm really excited for three actually now, just because I feel like the only direction we can go with this show is up. Yeah. Like we ended yeah. on such a bad note that there has to be some more victories along the way. And I don't think it, they'll be major because I don't think we can get to that point yet. That's the weird thing about this uh, period is that A, it's so undefined. Like almost nothing's happening in this period of history uh, in Star Wars Galaxy. And B, we know that it can't be too successful because of the establishment of other events as like some of the first successful resistance movements against uh, the Empire, whether that be the heist on Aldani in Andor, whether that be um, the uh, rescue of Leia in Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, by the path, whether that be whatever it is it, in Rebels, Avalon, whatever it is. We know it can't be too successful because that would that, because that would get in the way of the monumentalness of things like Avalon, Scarif, uh, Aldani, whatever. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what direction they'll go from here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up uh, talking about uh, season two, any final thoughts, anything else that we want to talk about regarding this season? Man, um... I think I'll, I'll just say um, this very quickly that um, I was interested to see how they, they moved the show on. Uh, when Rampart got taken out at the end of um, of uh, Truth and Consequences, yeah. and boy, is Royce Hemlock creepy! Like, <laughs> yes, he is. Like, I, he's. I think he's honestly established himself uh, to be a better villain than uh, Rampart is in like a, a small fraction of the time. Um, mm -hmm. For me, at least for me, but like, like that scene yep. in Tipping Point where he. Where Crosshair is incapacitated by the poison, and Hemlock's like, "Yeah, I built up an immunity for that." I was like, <laughs> was "Oh, good. this that guy is serious. This this guy is serious, serious. This guy knows what yeah. he's doing." Yeah, yeah, he's he's very crafty. Um, yeah, Rampart to me was just very cold. You know, I, I don't. He had no concern or no care about the clones anyway, but Hemlock does because this is. A, but he cares about them as far in as a being different his way. lab rats. Exactly. So he knows yeah. about them um, and he knows about their, their DNA, everything that, you know, the ins and outs of the clones. I mean, this is a part of his, his, his operation, you know, whatever, you know, uh, you know, contribution he's bringing to the empire. You know, we didn't talk too much about the, the summit meeting 
with the uh, the heads of the of the Imperials, but you know he was. I'll there. sum it up for you. Hemlock is late. Talk, talk, talk. Blow up. <laughs> Tarkin assures them they're fine. Everything goes on the end. Yeah, but my point is that he, that he was a part of that conversation, and you had to be somebody important to be there because you know we saw the other uh, uh, two persons that were there. We also saw uh, Orson uh, Krennic was also there. You we know what know else? His, when you're story. somebody Tarkin doesn't ben argue with, when you're like, I had other men matter, other matters to attend to. If Tarkin's not gonna argue with you on that, you are a fearsome figure. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, like, we don't tolerate lateness here. This man doesn't care about his stormtroopers. He sure doesn't care about some creepy dude who keeps wringing his hands out like he's about to solve a Rubik's cube or something. Wait, yeah. it, it is like, actually very say, notable. Um, that he's, like, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I gotta say, go um, Hemlock's making creepy. a good case for himself right now because he's getting on. I don't know exactly what he's doing with. Um, his cloning experiments, but he's getting on with them. Krennic is going to take like a good 15 years to even get yeah. anywhere close to finishing the Death Star. Then it explodes yeah. like a year later. Hemlock, meanwhile, he's out here, you know, cloning Zillow beasts and making those clone X. Like he's getting stuff done. This guy, this guy means business. Yeah. He's like, I will win. Yes. By yes. the way, I've built yeah. up that immunity to poison. Yeah, and he doesn't I raise his voice. Like, speaks at the like, same level. Hemlock has a very monotonous voice in which he speaks all yeah. the time. He's always very calm. He never shouts, which makes him more yeah. creepy. Yeah. He looks like he owns yeah. a white man. <laughs> he, uh, he got he got um he ca captured the assets he needs within like a few episodes. Meanwhile, Krennic's gonna be over here in a few years. He can't even get the main scientist he needs with for his project without receiving a few blaster shots to his shoulder. Like true. That's true. One of these guys is really doing better than the other. And, and then Tarkin takes credit for everything. You know, as yeah. soon as they get the oh, Death yeah. Star up and running, it's like, Tarkin's he, like Look, he throws credit dead. out in he the cold. Complain. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, but yeah, I, I like the way Star Wars is tying things together. You know, this yeah, is all coming together. You know, what you're seeing in the Mandalorian, what you're seeing now in the Bad Batch. Um, maybe in Ahsoka, there's there's there are threads everywhere, and I love this. You know that tells me that Star Wars has a plan. You know, so I, I can't wait to see what they have in store for season three. Like I said, next week we'll hear maybe we'll hear more about um, season three. What but did I say? Yeah, I you know we could not have this conversation with anyone else except. You two guys. Y'all right? are some of the best conversationalists we've had on the show. I mean, show. you break things down and you analyze. In a good way. We, we had, we've had great people, but like, yeah, I, that came out wrong. No, oh. no, 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 it's fine. You, you, you analyze and you, and you, you're very uh, meticulous and you're thoughtful and you, you know, you, you really, you know, go through frame after frame of these episodes and the characterizations and the theme and the plot. So, we love talking stars with you so we are definitely going to have you back um congratulations again on your 100 100th episode um eli and jacob thank you again for being on our podcast and congratulations again for celebrating your 100th episode where can people find you absolutely people can find us at in a galaxy pod on twitter at star wars in a galaxy on instagram you can listen to our shows anywhere you get your podcast spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, any of those platforms 
Um, you can follow, um, we, we also have, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, first of all. We're going to be live streaming there tomorrow to celebrate uh, three years and 100 episodes of In a Galaxy. Um, we're very excited. We're going to have some guests. We're going to have some friends uh, to just celebrate three that? years of the show. Uh, it's going to be at um, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, tomorrow we'll night. There. Um, <laughs> I, we're looking forward to seeing people there. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, you can also follow, uh, we have, um, you can follow my personal account on Twitter at OGFan327. Uh, you can follow um, our spinoff show, uh, which is a trivia show called Star Wars in a Galaxy Epic Confrontations uh, at In a Galaxy Trivia on Twitter. And uh, all the video, all of our uh, trivia matches uh, with friends of the show and people in the Star Wars community are on the Star Wars in a Galaxy YouTube channel. We have a ton of fun doing that. We have our next match actually streamed live on the Bombadcast YouTube channel on April 10th. Uh, we have the rematch between Jared the Dark Jedi and, and Scotty Jero. Uh, that's been that's been teased for literal years, um, and we're all we're all so excited to do that. But I think that's everything. Yeah, yeah. The bomb backcasts are our friends, so please tell uh, Jerry and <laughs> Scotty hello for us. Thank you. Absolutely, they're 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 great people, and we're really excited. It, what's going to be even more exciting, actually, about that match is that um, Scotty is getting married um, the weekend of celebration. Yeah. Um, and he, and he, um, and Jared and a bunch of our other friends are going to be in Louisiana with him to celebrate. And so they're going to film that match in person, um, which is going to be magical to watch from here. It's going to, I, I can't believe I get to say that out loud because it's, it's absolutely crazy. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Jacob, where can people find you? Uh, uh, say, same as same as uh, what uh, same as what Eli said. I don't have any personal uh, personal Twitter or anything where I talk Star Wars. Nothing like that. Um, so everything everything is run through uh, everything is run through Eli right now. Shout out to Eli for you know doing the doing the heavy lifting of running running our social media our social medias. Um, but thank you guys so much again for having us on. This was a blast. I always enjoy always enjoy talking Star Wars with you guys. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This was wonderful. This was truly a pleasure. So thank you, everyone. If you're watching or listening to us, that is this episode. Uh, That is Eli and Jacob of Star Wars in a Galaxy. So until next time, take care and and we will see see you again. again.